Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. Had a big weekend. Needed to take. Oh yeah. You know, needed to take another day off. All right. Well, Everybody I'll, needs a three day weekend. Okay. I know we got a three day weekend coming up, but you know, hey, why yeah. not stack them up back to back? His son graduated from high school. Yeah. There was a big shindig. Mm-hmm. I was part of the shindig yesterday. It was very good, very oh, fun. Very good. <clears throat> I wasn't invited. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I think you yeah, were. Yeah, last you know. week the Pentagon said it had a $3 billion accounting error, just a rounding error, just a ride on the whoopsie-go-round, Scott. Uh, <laughs> and it turns out they actually have an extra $3 billion to spend on Ukraine. Wouldn't you know that, huh? Nice. How about that? As soon as we start talking about sending F-16s and training pilots on F-16s in Ukraine, guess what? Look, David, this administration has already taken care of all the needs of the American people. Right. It's time now to share in our wealth right. we so, with other countries. Yeah, so National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was on CNN. Jake Tapper, even, you call him the original haircut. He is the original uh, haircut. He yeah. actually sounded fairly uh, 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 perplexed by this entire rounding error. That's a hell of an accounting error, um, and it provides a lot of fodder to critics of U.S. aid to Ukraine and critics who say there's not enough oversight going on. See, I, I, I hate that framing. I'm sorry to stop the clip so early. Oh, this just gives more firepower to the critics. That's a neat way of saying maybe the critics are right. 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 Hey, you know, instead of just asking the question, hey, doesn't this actually, uh, I don't know, take down our confidence in what the U.S. government is doing in Ukraine? Doesn't this actually lend some credibility to the people who have been critical of just writing a blank, a blank check to Ukraine? I agree with you. I, I don't want to be contrarian, but I will say it is at least somewhat refreshing to hear him challenge it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you're right. You're right. That I, never happens. You're right. You know? I got to remember yeah. that this is CNN, so they still are <laughs> going to be pro-Democrat. Right. Absolutely, yeah. They're still going to move heaven and earth to defend the Biden administration, even yeah. when there are things that are indefensible. I mean, a $3 billion accounting error accounting error is not that that that's that's the kind of thing you can only get away with in the federal government right right like we you could never say oh yeah by the way i mean just on the on on sort of your average american oh by the way sorry bank of america i had a thirty thousand dollar accounting error and it turns out i couldn't afford that house but mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it wouldn't work that way. You know who's doing this? Uncle Billy doing the accounting. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what's happening? Here? They what's outsourced going? it. Right, they, I know. The Pentagon's been on on hold with customer service, talking to some dude in <laughs> India. But Pinter's not picking up the phone right now. What do you mean you don't have the money, Uncle Billy? Where's it at? Yeah. All right. So anyway, here's the rest of the question and some of the answer from this weasel, uh, Jake Sullivan. Um, are you concerned about this accounting error? Well, one thing I just want to make clear, that is not money that went out the, dis- the door and disappeared. That is not uh, a waste of that $3 billion. It is simply a tally of how much military equipment we have given them. And the way that the Pentagon was counting it was, what's the replacement cost 
for the equipment we provide rather than just the actual cost of that equipment. Once you make that adjustment, it turns out we have an additional $3 billion that we can spend uh, to provide even more weapons to Ukraine. And that's See, this is how these political weasels get around this. You basically just redefine the story. Because what what he said there is is accurate, according to the Pentagon. The Pentagon says that they were basically tallying it as if they were going to be replacing whatever weaponry was available. And uh, instead of saying, here's how much it cost us to give it, that's where we found this discrepancy. But that's not the issue. The issue is that there was a discrepancy at all. And, and so Jake Sullivan does, a, I, I think, you know, if you're on his team, does a pretty good job in just saying and just defining what the actual issue is. And so by the time it's 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 perfect to the letter McGurkin, as you would describe it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Where it is just uh, here. I'm going to repeat the story back to you and then tell you that it's all fine without ever actually explaining like, why do you have this $3 billion accounting error at all? At the end of the day, not one penny of U.S. dollars will have gone missing or have been misallocated. It will all be provided in the form of equipment to Ukraine on the battlefield. But of course, it would be better to get it right in terms of the accounting up front. In the end, though, uh, the Pentagon discovered the error, the Pentagon corrected the error, and Ukraine will get what it needs, and the American taxpayer will uh, be able to be confident that this money is being spent. Uh, effectively and appropriately. It's it's Jerry Lundergaards up and down, isn't it? <laughs> it is. From Fargo. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just, we had this simple accounting error. See, we actually have more money than we thought we had. And, and so we're going to be able to spend that. And don't worry about the timing of us providing more weaponry and maybe Congress getting some cold feet. And I think yeah. this goes to the argument that I've heard from a lot of people. It, it, regard, take your own personal feelings about the U.S. support of Ukraine. Uh, it, it, take all your personal feelings out of it. Just looking at it from a battlefield strategy standpoint, that it would have been better to just provide everything they needed up front in order to prevent Russia from really digging in mm-hmm. in different regions of Ukraine. Like it, it just would have been more cost effective to make that investment initially than it is to just keep kicking the can down the road, down the road, down the road. But of course, we know that that's the goal is not really to help Ukraine win. The goal is to, well, keep the money flowing between the right parties, between defense contractors, future defense contractors who are currently serving in the Pentagon, et cetera. Well, then it's a very successful mission, if that's uh, the case. So far, yes, it has yeah. been. All right. Uh, more on, win column now. More on that a little bit later. Uh, I want to bring this up to you because I, I, I know this might freak you out a little bit. It freaked me out. I'll just say I missed this. this whole thing. You asked me today, did you see 60 Minutes last night? And I didn't because there was several graduation parties. Yeah. Was that, and I get, didn't get a chance, but you said, oh, this is going to freak you out. So 60 Minutes did a terrifying segment about artificial intelligence. So here's what they did. They had an ethical hacker scam one of the show's producers at using AI-generated voice and then also using uh, cell phone spoofing technology. And I'll just play you this segment. If you need any explanations, yeah. okay. just you know, throw the flag and I'll, I'll, I'll pause the audio. But this is incredible. Toback found Elizabeth's cell phone number on a business networking website. As we set up for an interview... Toback called Elizabeth, but used an AI-powered app to mimic my voice and ask for my passport number. Oh, 
Yeah, it's yeah, I do have it. Okay, ready? It's Toback played the AI generated voice recording for us to reveal the scam. Elizabeth, sorry, need my passport number because the Ukraine trip is on. Can you read that out to me? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yes. you, and I gave her Wow. Was Duke sitting over there? Did what did it say on your phone? Sharon. How did you do that? So I used something called a spoofing tool to actually be able to call you as Sharon. So oh my when God. she looks at the caller ID, it really does say the reporter's name on it. And then she picks up the phone and you heard the voice. I mean, yeah. you could make the argument if that's if, if you know, somehow you're face to face and someone's talking to you in that sort of clipped way. You'd say, hey, what's wrong? Do you smell toast? I mean, what are you OK? Right. Are you having yeah, a medical right. emergency right now? Right. But over the phone. If you're thinking, hey, I need this, I, I need my passport number, can you give it to me real quick? Okay. And the producer was none the wiser. And all of this thing took about five minutes to set up. But, I, I mean, I guess I'm, when I hear that, I think to myself, right, there is a clipped tone. But at the same time, you don't think this is really happening. No. You wouldn't suspect somebody's goofing on you. No. I mean, you wouldn't suspect that. I mean, that's if I, so close to real. You would have really no reason other than the clip tone. Yes. This is and what, even that's not real discernible. Oh, right. I mean, you, you, know? you, you think about the number of people who fall yeah, for the, right. you know, Prince in Nairobi or whatever. Yes. Uh, scam via email. I mean, imagine yeah. when this stuff really hits the ground running. There, of course, are scammers out there who are and want to take advantage of this. But man. It's already hard enough the way media is, the way politicians are. It is so hard already, and throw social media in there, it is already so hard to discern what is real and what is not. Now, I'll tell you what. I mean, you take this kind of technology and apply uh, that to world events. I mean, this is, this is like, I'm sorry, this is like society-ending stuff. Or the, when the morning zoos get a hold of it and do, you know, the Monday morning burns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. The phone pranks that will be <laughs> this is the way that all of this technology is snowballing so quickly. This election season, 2024, is going to be like nothing we've ever seen before, because already, you know, we we've talked about this before. Anytime you see one news report of a breaking news event, so and so is accused of doing this. You always have to take a step back, take a breath. And, you know, even even those of us who pay attention to this all the time and warn about it get duped by it every now and again. You know, I went to right away when I heard that. What's that? What I went to right away is someone imitating your child. Yeah. Like your teenage child or your even adult child calling you saying, Dad, I need $300. Wire to me immediately. Yeah. I Because it concocts some wild story. Yeah. You'd, you'd hear that, and chances are it would come in the middle of the night where you're half awake anyway. Yeah. And you'd immediately rush to wherever you are and send the money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't even think about it because that's your kid, right? Yeah, it sounds like your kid. It's your kid. Yeah. Good Lord, man. This has got to st- I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle oh. or if you can, but man. Yeah. This is scary stuff, man. This is frightening. It, it, it really is. Yeah. And, and one of the pieces of advice I've heard, and this was before, you know, that kind of scam, what you just said, has happened yeah. a lot over the years. I know. Where, you know, somebody says, hey, you know, this is so-and-so from this county right. jail. Right, uh, your son's in lockup. You need to send yes. us X amount of dollars, and a yes. lot of times someone will pay that. Yes, um, but when it's your the, own kid, yeah, 
And th- yeah, it takes it up a, a level. A notch, certainly. at least, yes. One of the things that you're advised to do is say, hang on, let me call you back. Especially if it's oh. from like on the on the caller ID, actually yeah. call your contact to see like if if you're calling me or if I suspect you know if you're if Scott Robbins calls me at midnight and says, David, I'm in a bind, I need five hundred dollars. I mean, one, I'm not going to do that in the middle of the you're night. You're gonna but, hang up on me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, right. I'm gonna hang up on you and not call you back. What are you but nuts? No, no, and then okay, so I I say hold on a second, let me call you back. Hang up and then actually find you in my address book. And call you back that way. And at yeah. which point, if it's a scam, you'll yell at me for waking you up in the middle. Of right. Um, and if See, it's, that's a good that. Right. Actually, that's a great idea. Same I thing. I don't know how many times. I mean, I, I almost got scammed on a cable TV deal once. I remember that. Where I called this number that was close to the one I was supposed to yeah. call. And it was these guys that spoke very little English. <laughs> and they're yelling at me about paying this and paying that. And I'm late on this bill. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I can't be. Yeah. But anyway, I almost, I, I almost fell for it. whole thing. I mean, it was... Really, I mean, I thought, well, maybe this is just some call center. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, golly, a, man. Same thing. Your cable company, your bank, you know, anybody who calls asking for private information, just say, okay, I'm going to hang up and call you back. Don't use the number that they provide. Look it up. Think about, think about this. Think about this. If you were in high school, junior high, or whatever, you could fake the voice of your parents calling your principal to excuse you from school. <laughs> oh God. I mean, to be Ferris Bueller, yeah. would be every day, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's like, day off would just be right. called, yeah, well, yeah. modern times, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody goes yeah. to school anymore. Well, all right, on a lighter note, yeah. uh, I don't know if you saw this, Brittany Griner made her triumphant return to the WNBA I on Friday that. night after being held in a Russian prison for several months. Of I, course. For some reason, I thought she was already back in the WNBA. I don't know I don't if know the why. season just started. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I don't have any I, idea. Again, I don't follow it. Apparently, yeah. a lot of other people didn't. They were playing in Los Angeles, and her coach, Vanessa Nygaard was very disappointed that the arena was only half full. Well, okay. <laughs> Never mind. Here, here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, saying something like, how, how, how was this not a sellout? I don't understand. How is this game not a sellout? Well, have a seat. I can tell you. Well, yeah, because... It's, it's it's the WNBA, and a NBA. lot of people don't care. Yeah. Sorry. They I mean, it was yeah. great, but like, honestly, come on, LA. Like, we didn't sell the arena for BG. Like, I expected more, you know, to be honest, right? Like, it was great, it was loud, but um, how, was, how was it not a sellout? How was it not a sellout? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I can go into that if you'd like me to. Well, it's because. Even liberals don't really care about the WNBA. WNBA. Well, I mean, Bill Bird does that whole stand-up routine. Yeah. He's in Phoenix. You got an NBA, WNBA team? You hear people like, what's the name of the team? Nobody can tell him. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, like, it's not my fault. It's not anybody's fault. It just, yeah. it just has not captured the imagination of the uh, public no, it, for the it, last 15 years. They've yeah. been in, they don't in the dunk, yeah. but they make up for it with solid fundamentals. That's what right, I mean. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, but, no, but people want to see dunks. All right, we got a lot of stuff to get to, including a former Bud Light official says, I don't see this boycott going away. All right, this is just not going to go. Uh, We'll get to that much more. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Mark Lee is on special assignment today. Thank you so much for being here. Well, the big news, I, I, I guess it's big news technically is uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott is formally announcing that he's running for president. Well, there's glass all over the floor, David. He became the first 
openly white supremacist to run for president. <laughs> well, yeah, according to many on the left, he yes. is the black face of white supremacy. Uh, white supremacy Remember yes. Dick Durbin? Uh, called him a token? Well, you know, Dick Durbin's always clever with the quip. Yeah. Uh, and then he said, well, dead. that's not what I yeah. meant. Well, that was about yeah. police reform. And Tim Scott tried to get it done during the yeah, uh, summer see, of love, 2020. And pff, yeah, Democrats said, well, well, we want nothing to do with that white supremacist, Tim right, Scott. Exactly. Right, which he is. Yeah. One of the strangest things to me, I like Tim Scott a lot. And if he I winds up being the nominee, I will gladly go to the polls and vote for him. Yeah. No question about it. Um, I don't think he stands a chance. I think you got too many bigger, larger-than-life personalities involved here. You got I Donald think he's Trump. vying for a VP gig. Could be. That's I'd what love I think. That. Yeah, what, me too. You know, whether it's uh, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, I mean, those seem to be the two front runners. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. why there's a primary process. You know, maybe he will break out. I have no idea. One of the most fascinating things to me, though, <clears throat> is watching the morning news coverage of this, and almost every single one said, the only black Republican in the Senate. Right. That's how they defined him. Always. Another one of those things where uh, this is how media lies all the time. Because that is, that is factually true. I'm not disputing that. He is the mm-hmm. only black Republican. But what's the implication? Well, you know what it is. The implication it's is that Republicans racist. are racist and they don't want to yeah. vote for black senators. Right. Democrats have two black senators. So it's not. So, I mean, the, the implication is like, well, half of the Democratic Party uh, caucus in the Senate is black. I mean, that's the implication, right? Right. Is that, well, he's he's a rare black Republican or whatever. Right. That right. that media and Democrats consistently say is our, a thing like an Uncle Tom or the black face of white supremacy or whatever. It is just so weird to see the lens that they look through where it's just. It, it is all about his race. It's, it's about his race, and we have to point out that he's the only black Republican because Democrats are awash in black senators with mm-hmm. two black senators. It's just very strange to me, the obsession with race. I, it, it, it comes across as creepy to me, frankly. Oh, I, well, of course it does, but the, the, when that's the only argument you have, yeah. that's what you throw out there. But. Uh, and again, I think Mike Pence, isn't he going to announce either tomorrow or sometime this week? Probably, yeah. I heard that. Anyway. Yeah, we're getting he, into by that. By the way, polling-wise, in terms of boring white guys, he's number one right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. His baby boy graduated. Needed an extra day for some cleanup, and uh, well, there was a lot of food there, man. There was yeah. a huge spread. So. Yeah, and they're 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 cleaning up the uh, the tissues as well as his mm, baby boy. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, you know. His, his baby his kid boy right is now, maybe. three inches taller than him. Yeah, could, <laughs> his baby boy can deadlift five hundred pounds. He'll kick my ass. Press if I talk a too semi, much. yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, sales of Bud Light are still suffering as a result of the backlash to their partnership with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. And right, who saw that coming? Yeah, huh? one former Anheuser Busch ex- executive says he didn't see the or he doesn't see this ending anytime soon. This is Anson Frerichs, no longer uh, works for Anheuser Busch. Had spent some time there as an executive. He did an interview with Stuart Varney on Fox Business talking about this and uh, and what kind of rake the company really stepped oh, on man. with this whole yeah. thing. 
The one thing that they haven't done is say they made a mistake with this campaign and been clear about who they're going to serve moving forward. Is it going to be their shareholders and their customers who want them just to create a Bud Light that's apolitical, or are they going to be serving their stakeholders? These are the people that want BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, who are asking them to serve political organizations, activists. And I think until they're clear and they make it clear that they want to serve their customers moving forward, unfortunately, I don't see this going away. Well, wait a minute. Uh, put your IFB in so you can hear what I'm saying. Okay, here we go. If they turned around and said, oh, we made a mistake putting a trans on that can, <laughs> all hell breaks loose. You can't do that, Hanson, and you know it. Well, I think what it is, but I think when you talk a look about what does Bud Light stand for? Bud Light stands for was a brand that was never about politics. This was always about a brand that brought people together. It was about football. It was about sports. It was about music. It never got involved in political situations. That's why it was enjoyed by both Republicans and Democrats right. equally. And uh, I, I just included Stuart Varney in there because I thought it was funny, the phrase, put, put a trans on that can. And they can. Yeah, yeah that, that, made, that made me laugh. But, but I think, you know, he brings up uh, an interesting point, Stuart Varney does, is like, if you, if you really apologize for it, then you're going to have the activist class going against you. The problem, though, with that sentiment is that there already is a backlash from the trans activist community because they don't feel like Bud Light has stood by Dylan Mulvaney enough. Remember, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. No matter what you do, it will yeah. never be enough No, for that crowd, ever. And I, have... again, I'm not talking about somebody who's struggling you know, with gender identity and what I'm not talking about that, that person. I'm talking about the activist class, the people who shriek about everything, who say that words are violence, the kind of people who you know, run in and storm U.S. capitals. Happened again in Nebraska. There was another transurrection. Uh, a law enforcement official got injured, got assaulted as a result of this because they were uh, passing a bill that uh, would ban uh, uh, sex change procedures for children. Mm -hmm. For that radical crowd, you will never be able to bend the knee enough. And I, no. I, think, I think the show Family Guy hit it. I've referenced this a few times, a few years ago, actually, where there's a character who is a trans woman and she's watching adult content at a bar, at a hotel bar. And the bartender comes over and says, hey, ma'am, you can't watch porn in here. And, <laughs> and the character goes, oh, it's okay, I'm transgender. The bartender says, oh, in that case, do whatever you want all the time. Because <laughs> that's the mentality. Yeah. So you can never bend the knee enough. You're no, right. If you push at all, right. yeah. you're committing genocide, according to these people. Once Bud Light committed to this campaign, mm -hmm. once they made that committed, they crossed the the, the Rubicon. There, there. Now it's it's you can't come back now. Oh yeah, no, you can't come back now. And the thing is, and, and, and leaving that aside, even the, what's on that now is if the guys who drink Bud Light, who play slow pitch softball, you know, who uh, have uh, have families and 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 they sit around with their buddies and have a few beers after the game or mm -hmm. whatever. It has tainted the entire image. Now. Oh, totally. You've you've wrecked a brand. Yeah, you and, just wrecked it. And it's it's worse than than anything else. As we as we've mentioned before, it's worse yes. than just anger. It's you've become yeah. a punchline. You are punchline. You've become You're a, a punchline. And if you order one, your buddies are going to make you the punchline. Yes, they're. I mean, <laughs> they're... And then this is where it's at. <laughs> I mean, and, and again, you can say transphobic, say whatever you want, but the reality of the world is this. Mm -hmm. And and. You made your choice, Bud Light. 
and now you got to live with it. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you can do all the flag, raising the flag up the pole and the horses and the military and everything else right now. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Well, and and on that note, this is also what Anton Frerichs, a former executive with Anheuser-Busch, said on Fox Business. You know, if there are certain brands that they're about getting into politics and that's part of the brand, that's part of the ethos, maybe they should. You know, Ben and Jerry's, this was created by a couple of folks in Vermont. They have kind of a hippie counterculture to them. If that's part of the brand and they serve a customer and that's part of their mission statement, sure. And then people can choose not to be part of that brand. With Bud Light, that was never part of the brand or part of the message. And I think that's what's upset so many people here. And that's why I think this boycott is going to go on a lot longer than people give it credit for. And there's two reasons that boycotts are, tend to be successful. Yeah. The first is when it's easy for consumers to switch to other brands and yeah. then secondarily when people feel like they're having an impact and in this Bud Light it's not very that much different yeah. from Coors Light or Miller Light it's water it's barley it's hops what sets it apart is its messaging and so it's easy for consumers to switch to the grocery store the convenience store and then separately consumers feel like they're having an impact he's absolutely right I mean there's nothing yeah. really all that special about Bud Light I mean it you know it's one or the other I, I mean you know, for me, if I'm at the grocery store on a Friday and I'm just going to be picking out beer, it's whatever is closest to me. Mm-hmm. Like of those of those lower end, you know, not the super hoppy IPA stuff. I don't really like that stuff now. Um, so, you know, if it's like Miller Lite, Bud Light, Mick Ultra or, you know, any of them, it, I just pick whatever's available. I mean, I I'll admit it. I was a Bud Light guy. I I thought there was a, a difference in the taste of Bud Light and other light beers, and I preferred the taste of Bud Light. Mm. Just did. Uh, now I quit drinking, and I, I killed them. Yeah. Their, their sales, <laughs> yeah. not let alone what else has happened here. Right, but, right. You know, like we uh, already took a fifteen percent right. haircut because of beating yeah. Scott Robbins. Quit drinking doing it, yeah. all those years ago. Yeah. Damn him. Uh, yeah. But anyway, put my face on a can, huh? <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think that'll work. Yeah. All right, it's that time of the show. We like to go around the bend and uh, and uh, see, talk about what may not be the biggest story, but certainly a story that caught your eye. It's called What's Your Story? Uh, we'll start off with you, Scott. What, did, what caught your eye today? Well, uh, several of them, but this one really caught my eye. A data scientist from the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. Again, I didn't know there was such a thing, but apparently there is. They have identified nearly $38 million in potentially improper or fraudulent pandemic loans that were obtained using social security numbers of dead people. Ah, yes. The loans were made through the COVID-19 Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program and the uh, PPP, which is the Paycheck Protection Program. Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, the chairman there, Michael Horowitz, testified uh, before the House Committee on Oversight. They used a verification process to determine that 69,000 questionable Social Security numbers were, in fact, used to obtain $5.4 billion in pandemic loans. And another 175,000 questionable Social Security numbers were used in applications that were paid. Yeah, well, so, I mean, this is, this is what happens when you get lawmakers who just sort of say, we're throwing money out the door. I remember it, now it's three years ago, three plus years ago, saying, look, if you're if you're going to give some sort of stimulus out there because so many businesses have been shut down, people have been put out of work, you're better off just giving people straight up cash. Forget government programs, forget anything you have to apply to because people are going to take advantage of it. Now we hear time and time again, anytime somebody looks into it, that this is probably the single largest instance of widespread government fraud and abuse in American history. Oh, yeah. 
because the money was out there and and nobody was really checking on it. You know, I remember all of the the issues, whether it was California, Oregon had some issues, Illinois had issues about dispersing funds because nobody really knew what they were supposed to do with the money once they got it from the federal government. Right. And so, like in the case of Oregon, there are a lot of private contractors, hairdressers, et cetera, who weren't getting the financial assistance that they thought they were entitled to and, in fact, were under federal law. But the state of Oregon didn't have the infrastructure in place to disperse those funds to the people who needed it. So some people were waiting for months before they even heard anything back. And a lot of people working for the state didn't really know what they were supposed to do either. And so I remember thinking at the end of the day after, and this was still, Trump was still president at the time, uh, you know, months down the road going, man, you would have been better off just giving everyone $20,000 and calling it a day. Right. I mean, it's it not, I'm not saying like I, I wholeheartedly support that, but that would have been better in the long run than some of these other assistance programs that were put in place because no one knew how, were they, how they were supposed to function. And then in places like California and Illinois, what those governors did was they took whatever money they got from the federal government and applied that to their general fund to tell people that they had a budget surplus. Remember, right. uh, Gavin Newsom was well, bragging about that. J.B. Pritzker did it in Illinois. J.B. Pritzker, yeah. yeah. They all lived, yeah. In an election year, they're, they're out there you know, talking about how they built up this big surplus and now in the case of California, they're like, uh-oh, we're like $39 billion in the hole now. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was a freaking lie, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. Yeah, but I, and then a, a lot of times, too, people receive this money, and then they had to pay taxes on it at the end of the year yeah. as, earned, as income, and they were a little bit flummoxed by that as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a mess. It's going to take a long time to really yeah, unwind. $38 million yeah. sent to dead people. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. It's what's your story. We go around the horn and just... Uh, bring up stories may not be the biggest one of the day, but something that caught your attention. I want to tell you about this story. Tech worker in England tried to sue her former boss after apparently believing email abbreviations he used were codes for asking for a sexual relationship. Really? Now, she's lost, but her name is uh, Karina Gasparova, an IT worker at a trade management company. She filed a sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuit against her boss outlining alleged misbehavior, uh, saying that some of the things he would put in emails, her boss would put in emails, were code. Now, I want to read one example that she provided, Scott. Okay, okay now, now this, the code is a sexual innuendo in y- her world, right? Yes, it is. Okay, all right, let me see if I can figure out the sexual innuendo here. So, then. so he's basically giving her a form letter. She needs to fill in the yeah. blanks, the particular details, before they send it out to a client. This is, okay. this is the, that's the setup for this email. I'm ready, man. Can you please complete the following? The solution is currently used by XX Agris companies and YY barge lines in corn cargoes in south north flows in the question mark question mark question mark waterways now what she claimed was that xx was for hugs and kisses and yy was for sex and the question marks were well him asking a question really that's not what happened. You lost, she, she is telling me. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she wound up quitting the company after a, uh, the, the whatever tribunal that they initially go to for these types yeah. of discrimination complaints rejected her X-X-Y-Y. complaint. Why, why? Yeah. Question mark, question mark. Oh, and then she also said her boss, oh, uh, used to, uh, uh, cha- or he changed his file name to his initials, A-J-G, uh, which is, those are his initials. 
But she said it really stood for, quote, a jumbo genital. It was actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually his initials. But but she says that that's how he was coming on to her. So basically, she's a crazy lady. And and for once, you know, you see the crazy lady loses. Tell me this guy's name was not Frank. No, it was not. (laughs) <laughs> no, it was a, not. A jumbo prank. <laughs> All right. I just thought that one caught my eye. I just thought it was really cool. Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> my name is AJG, a jumbo genital. <laughs> Who thinks that way? <laughs> Golly. All right. Uh, We've we got another news update on the way. Oh, man. Oh, Jeffrey God. Epstein? Blackmail Bill Gates? Have you seen yeah, this how report? About that? Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that much more. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Mark Lee is on special assignment. Boy, this is a wild story, isn't it? It's Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, geez. Uh, apparently, you know, of course, billionaire child sex trafficker who had a lot of powerful friends, one of whom was Bill Gates of Microsoft. <clears throat> uh oh. Uh, there's a new report out from the Wall Street Journal detailing how Jeffrey Epstein appeared to blackmail Bill Gates after finding out he'd had an affair. Now, apparently, <laughs> Bill Gates had an affair with a Russian bridge player named Mila Antonova. A Russian bridge player. Yeah, so Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Gates, and a Russian bridge player walk into a bar. Bar, no kidding. Golly. Yeah. Uh, Epstein met this lady in 2013, three years after Gates. So then he paid for Antonova to attend a software coding school. But according to the Wall Street Journal, Epstein later tried to get Gates to pay him back for it, sending him an email in 2017 that uh, I need to get reimbursed for the cost of the tuition. And apparently the implication behind the message was that Epstein could reveal the affair if Gates didn't keep up the association between the two men. Now, a uh, spokeswoman for Gates told the Wall Street Journal Mr. Gates met with Epstein solely for philanthropic purposes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, having failed repeatedly to draw Mr. Gates beyond these matters, Epstein tried unsuccessfully to leverage a past relationship to threaten Mr. Gates. So, evidently, uh, they confirmed that, yes, there was a blackmail attempt against Bill Gates. Well, di- I mean... Which explains, we've talked about this before, but explains the lavish life this guy lived yeah. and the money he had. That there was, once you got on Petto Island, there was video everywhere. Yeah, well, or his New York penthouse. Or his New York penthouse. Yeah. And, and again, extorting money from these guys, these wealthy dudes, is probably how he lived his life. Yeah, it worked And these guys once. aren't exactly going to come forward now and go, oh, by the way. Yeah. You know, no. I wonder if this isn't some you know, sort of... He was an investment banker. What? <laughs> right. My tenfold hat, though, is saying, okay, who actually was the one who leaked this information? Right. Exactly. And I wonder if it wasn't somebody within the Gates organization uh, yeah. to begin with to try to say, well, this is the accusation there. Nothing else about, you know, Orgy Island or whatever might have happened right. during, quote, unquote, philanthropic meetings in the middle of the night at his New York penthouse. I thought it was interesting they included the fact that she was a bridge player. (laughs) I don't don't know how that matters, but okay. And she learned how to code. Yeah, right, exactly. She's a bridge player with a heart of gold, Scott. Bowled a 280 game once. (laughs) This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. Are you ready? 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. Uh, so we talked a lot about the Durham report that dropped uh, last week, and this showed massive incompetence and malfeasance in the Trump-Russia investigation over at the FBI, where everybody knew that the whole idea that Donald Trump was a Russian asset that was started by the Hillary Clinton campaign, and well, they didn't really have enough evidence to even open up a full investigation. This is the second such investigation that has yielded this type of conclusion, the first being the Inspector General report. Uh, Michael Horowitz was lead on that one a few years ago, basically saying uh, the only reason why it was legal is because the bar is actually pretty low to start spying on people if you're in the FBI. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd, NBC's Meet the Press, actually compared this moment to the 1970s investigations into the intelligence community. Those were spearheaded by Senator Frank Church. Church committee, very famous if, if you follow the deep state and, and the developments of said deep state. I thought it was kind of interesting that even Chuck Todd apparently is awake enough to come to this conclusion that maybe something's wrong in the intelligence community. Maybe trust in the FBI is eroding left and right. Um, feels like we're in the moment that we need a real church committee. That this is a moment like Jay, when the J. Edgar Hoover FBI clearly was no longer helping the American people. There was a moment. This feels like we might be in one of those moments. I think we are. I think might be. Yeah, I think I, we are too. I think it's well past that time. And I mean, the thing is, the problem is that the NBCs of the world have been out there saying that this was a big fat nothing burger. See, that's I'm just going to say that. I, and, and again, I want to believe that's true. I want to believe it should be true. But there's another side of me that said there's no push here. No. And unless they feel a shove to their backs, very rarely is anything going to change. Well, and some of that I do believe. And it's not just Democrats. I think there are too many lawmakers with skeletons in their closets. And the intelligence community's got them by the short hairs, man. They just do. I do have to be totally honest with you here, though. When I I printed out, David puts a rundown together for the show every day. When I I saw this today, I said, Chuck Todd, are we in a church committee moment? Immediately, my mind went to church committees voting whether or not to expel a pastor or not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... Is anybody talking about kicking Biden out? Are they trying to get together? I did actually see. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to set it up the way what he was talking about with the church committee. Because I did see some people uh, commenting, and it's it's Twitter, so whatever. But I know there was some genuine confusion about what the church committee was. Was. I think some people were like, what are we doing, organizing a bake sale? Right, exactly. (laughs) It's like, well, no, no. The The pastor needs uh, needs new plumbing at the parsonage. What what do we got going on? It's really interesting to me, though, uh, because back in 1975, Frank Church was on Meet the Press. Was he? And talking about the rapid acceleration of communications technology, which would lead to mass surveillance from the intelligence community. These guys had this type of foresight. Oh, yeah. Wow. At the same time, that capability at any time could be turned around on the American people. And no American would have any privacy left, such as the capability to monitor everything, telephone conversations, telegrams, it doesn't matter. There would be no place to hide. 
if this government ever became a tyranny, if a dictator ever took charge in this country, the technological capacity that the intelligence community has given the government could enable it to impose total tyranny. And there would be no way to fight back. Now, why is this investigation important? I'll tell you why. Because I don't want to see this country ever go across the bridge. I know the capacity that is there to make tyranny total in America. And we must see to it that this agency and all agencies that possess this technology operate within the law and under proper supervision so that we never cross over that abyss. There, that's the abyss from which there is no return. Yeah. Now this that was guy, 1975? 1975. That guy wow. was a Democrat. I wonder... Isn't that something when you hear some Democrats from that era talk? Yeah. I, I mean... I wonder what he would think of the modern Democrat Party. Oh, my gosh. Because there have been too many people in the Democratic Party turning around and defending the FBI and defending the intelligence community. And really, what does it come down to? Well, it's because they were going after Trump, and Trump must have done something wrong. So whatever. I mean, it's so weird to witness this where Democrats, when it comes to the FBI, when it comes to things like the Patriot Act, when it comes to these secret uh, surveillance courts, the FISA courts and all that, Democrats now had, or their position at least in like 2012, they have Republicans on their side on this. Yeah. And they can't take yes for an answer. It's amazing to me that there isn't a bipartisan uh, uh, groundswell to really rein in elements of the uh of the intelligence community you know i listened to that today and and again 1975 uh, mr church speak and i think to myself how prophetic that was Mm -hmm. and then you said wow there's i wish there were more guys like him today but i think if he were alive today he'd be part of the the shrieking right hairs on fire accept me for who i am despite what you think or how you feel you're not allowed to say it. You know, he, he might be one of those people. He might be. That type of centrist Democrat. And there yeah. used to be a lot of them. Yeah. Doesn't exist anymore. He, those he, guys are gone. I mean, Dick Durbin was, what, Dick Durbin was in his first term in 75, so he would have been there. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, the, these guys, I mean, Dick Durbin, I think, used to be more of a pragmatic politician. Yeah. But these guys get in there, and all of a sudden, they're 20 years up the road, and the whole tide has shifted and changed, and here's what it is now. And then you have to either become that or you're out of a job. Yeah. One of the two. And most of them cling to power because they love the power base they yeah. got. You're probably right, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to be that cynical because yeah, I, I do know that Senator Church put, him, put himself on the line in a big way going down this, this rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of folks not, not too happy with him. Well, where are these guys now? They, well, they don't exist. And, Where are they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, they can't get elected. They're not electable. Right. <laughs> That's, I mean, they're not. Very true. Meanwhile, uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who once bragged about leading a sanctuary city, is now wanting right. to take other towns or wanting other towns to take on the responsibility of housing migrants. He's back on this now because they've gotten several thousand migrants due to uh, Joe Biden's border crisis. And so. Tough. Uh, <laughs> right. Tough. I mean, I, sorry, man. Yeah. You, 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 said want you, Texas, you want Texas and Arizona and get to absorb all this? No. Yeah. 
Uh, so here's Eric Adams speaking on Face the Nation yesterday. We have 108,000 cities, villages, towns. Uh, if everyone takes a small portion of that, and if it's coordinated uh, at the border to ensure that those who are coming here uh, to this country in a lawful manner is actually uh, moved mm -hmm. throughout the entire country. It is not a burden on one city. And the numbers need to be clear. Uh, we received over 70,000 uh, migrant asylum seekers uh, in our city. 40 Texas processed 100,000 in like the last two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. Okay, anyway. 2,000 are still in our care. If yeah. this is properly handled at the border level, uh, this issue can be resolved while we finally get Congress, uh, particularly the Republican Party, to deal okay. with a sure. comprehensive immigration policy. <laughs> garbage. That's just garbage. I, and why, why, are, why do you want to disperse these to other communities that didn't have anything to do with the fact that you had the door wide open? Right. We're sanctuary. We love everybody. We're not those evil southern states. You know, we, we're welcoming. Right. Well, you know what, dude? Again, that's easy to do. It's very easy to go on record as being for something and pro something when you don't ever have to get your hands dirty yourself. And yep. now you do. Yep. And now you're bitching and moaning about it. Well, yep. you know what, dude? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Got no sympathy. Figure it out. Yep. I mean, I that's mean, it. You, 50 you percent of the hotels now are now you they're being filled with uh, with migrants yeah 50 percent yep that and but that's you brought this on i don't know what you want from me man <laughs> right, exactly. what do you want from me i didn't vote for this you know it's just and, and to continue to ignore it and say there's nothing going on or just to play like it's not happening mm -hmm. or it's we're all just crazy because we can't quite figure out what's going on there we don't know the real story. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Golly. It's like saying, yeah, I, I was wearing this sign that said that I want people to walk up and punch me in the face, and now I'm complaining because all these people are walking up to me and punching me in the, me the face. face. Why are you doing that? I need you to protect me now. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Senator uh, Dianne Feinstein is really, really old and sick. Democrats just yeah. wheeled her back at, to work after she was down with shingles. She's Shameless. also got dementia or something similar to that. They have not confirmed that, but she forgets where she is. She forgets who she's talking to. There's a lot of stories out about that in the last couple of years. Um, and so some Democrats, particularly in the House, because they, they'll never have to really worry about this, like Ro Khanna, he, he doesn't have any say as to whether or not uh, Dianne Feinstein no. resigns. And he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he, he can't vote to expel her either. Right. So it's risk-free from him. It's interesting to see, though, Senate Democrats try to tap dance around this issue because she's clearly not well. No. Um, but uh, Democrat Senator Jack Reed says, no, she's able to do the job. <sighs> this, <laughs> this was on Fox News Sunday. It is just remarkable. Well, I think Senator Feinstein has uh, performed remarkably during her career. I think at this point she has medical issues. She's acknowledged those issues. She still is able to summon the energy and the uh, concentration to come to vote. Uh, she is continuing to work. I think she deserves the opportunity to, to make a decision about her career. <laughs> I mean, uh, Which, what, what, the, the, the key there was she can still vote. Yes. That's what that's what this is about. Well, yeah, they, that's all this is about. They it, just tell her what button to push, and she pushes it. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, 
And then as soon as she's no longer Shameless. useful, they'll kick her to the curb. Oh, yeah. That, that's just what they do. I mean, they did the same thing to John Fetterman, or they are doing actively the same thing to John Fetterman. John Fetterman, yeah. A senator out of uh, 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 Pennsylvania who almost died from a stroke a year ago, and then they pushed to stay in the uh, race for Senate. He winds up winning, and then he gets hospitalized because he was suicidal. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they don't care about anybody's health, physical or mental, as long as you're there to, to cast votes. I mean, the families of these people... Shame on these people. Yeah. I mean, Joe Biden. I mean, you got Biden at the top. Yep. And again, we every day we could play, what did Joe say? We could play the game. What did Joe say? <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm telling you, man, we could do it every day. Yeah. It, well, every day he speaks. Because we have no idea. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, we know what this is. I mean, the guy's, that guy, he's out of his flipping mind. Yes. It's just, it, and, and try to sell me on yeah. Diane Weinstein having yeah. the energy to work at Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, the attorney for the New York City nurse accused of racistly trying to steal somebody's bike or whatever. He's spoken out. Lawsuits are coming. We'll get oh, to yeah. it next. You know, you do everything you can to keep your blood pressure in check, like exercising and eating right. As somebody who's had heart issues like me, it's really important. And now I've got Super Beats Heart Chews on my side. Paired with a healthy lifestyle, Super Beats Heart Chews polyphenol compound is nearly two times more efficient at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. It means more energy, circulation, and blood pressure support. And they taste great. Yeah, it's kind of like eating fruit snacks, only they don't look like dinosaurs. And this is important. In a leading clinical study, Super Beats Heart Chews polyphenol compound, which shown nearly two times as effective as promoting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. So double your potential with Super Beats Heart Shoes and support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, blood flow, and heart-healthy energy. Go to GetSuperBeats.com to find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of heart shoes plus free shipping with your first order. Use discount code MVCR and get an extra 15% off. That's GetSuperBeats.com, code MVCR. Did you know China has made it a priority to teach students financial literacy starting in preschool? American kids are being left behind. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help the kids they love learn about finance. Thanks to the Sensibles and BeSensibleSmart.com. The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes who help kids ages 6 to 12 develop smart money habits in a very fun way. BeSensibleSmart.com was created to channel this multimedia resource to kids everywhere. Bio subscription for your loved ones and each month they'll get a sensibles kit in the mail with an entertaining dvd comic book and activities digital subscriptions are also available they'll also get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons fun activities and more want 20 percent off the monthly subscription cost visit besensiblesmart.com and enter the promo code mvcr it's the c-e-n-t sensible thing to do subscribe today at besensiblesmart.com Hi, this is Nicholas Cage. When you're a teenager, there are a lot of things going on that can produce stress and anxiety. The pressures of school, dating, and the future in general can seem overwhelming sometimes. But there are healthy ways to deal with stress, ways to reduce it and channel your energy in positive directions. And you don't have to do it alone. The Will Rogers Institute has a free booklet with some really helpful information. For your free copy, visit WRInstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Hi, I'm Jeff Gordon. As a four-time NASCAR champion, nothing is more important to me than winning a race, especially the race to cure children's cancer. Each day, more than 40,000 children are undergoing cancer treatment at hospitals throughout the United States. Cure Search for Children's Cancer supports the research and treatment for 90% of those children. Only research cures children's cancer. Join the Jeff Gordon Children's Foundation in supporting this winning team. Get involved at CureSearch.org. Cancer is a big idea for a small child. She dreams of being a figure skater. We're trying to figure out what to do next. Each school day, two classrooms of children are diagnosed with cancer. The doctor said there's hope. I'll be brave, Mommy. If I could just take her place. It's okay, Daddy. Only research cures childhood cancer. Give today. You can help fund this life-saving research to conquer childhood cancer. Visit CureSearch.org today. Hello, this is Michael Douglas. Pneumonia can be dangerous, especially for older people and for those who have diseases like asthma, emphysema, or chronic bronchitis. Fortunately, there's a vaccine that can immunize people against one of the most common forms of pneumonia. If you're over 60 or have a chronic lung disease, ask your doctor whether a pneumonia vaccine would be right for you. It could protect you from a serious illness or even save your life. A message from the Will Rogers Institute. Visit us at wrinstitute.org. Asthma, chronic bronchitis, emphysema, tuberculosis. These pulmonary diseases affect millions of Americans daily. And if you already suffer from one of these ailments, then you're well aware of the problems that you face. For over 75 years, the Will Rogers Institute has provided health education and research for all. For more information, visit wrinstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575. And find us on Facebook and Twitter, the Will Rogers Institute, since 1936. Kathy Ireland for the Will Rogers Institute. Are you worried that your kids aren't spending enough time being physically active? The best fitness is family activity. Ride bikes, play soccer, or just take a walk through the neighborhood. The important thing is to get your children moving with you. For more information on family activities and fitness, call the Will Rogers Institute. Call toll-free 877-957-7575 or visit wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, so last week, a physician's assistant at a hospital in New York was accused of trying to steal someone's rented bike. They call it the yeah. city bike. A lot of cities across the country have yeah, a system like that. Explain how this worked, because she paid for it first, correct? Yeah, so so how the how the bike rental thing works is that they're on a docking station, and if you have the app, you, you rent it, <clears throat> you scan a QR code or mm-hmm. or, a, or, or some, a barcode or whatever is on the bike, and then the app pops up, you rent it, and it'll unlock the bike for you. You take it and then drop it off wherever right. you need to. And so there was this very short video that was put out of, uh, uh, like, I think it's like five young men surrounding her. One guy is trying to to grab the bike away from her. And she says, well, no, this is my bike. And uh, she had rented it. The attorney provided the receipts for that. But immediately the race baiters in media started saying, well, she's being called a Karen. She's, you know, racist because the men happen to be black. And, oh, she was weaponizing her tears because you got this six-month pregnant woman who just got off a 12-hour shift. Right. 
who is wondering why some guy is trying to take her bike. Apparently, those were fake tears, and she was weaponizing white woman tears to try to get right. these black men killed yeah, or so, something so, stupid like that. So boring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the media went all in on defaming her as the aggressor because that makes sense. Does anybody really think that a six-month pregnant woman no, walks up to five dudes and says, I'm taking your bike? She's yelling out for help. Right. Re- regardless of race involved. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, yeah. they were trying to take something that wasn't theirs. So even though there's well, another was... claim is it was theirs though, right? That's really we Isn't haven't heard some a lot weird from claim that yeah. I don't know. Uh but the hospital put her on leave anyway, yeah, you know, suggesting that she was uh, accused in a racist, uh, racially motivated altercation outside the hospital. Now her lawyer Justin Marino was on Fox News talking to Bill Hammer and uh, said, "Hey, get ready for the lawsuits because they are coming. That's how this thing ends." Good. Um, we are going to get an answer when we start filing defamation lawsuits. Wow. It's going to go to that? You, well, the, the media has defamed? Without question. She's been called a racist. She's been called a thief. Um, there are reasons defamation laws exist, and we plan to pursue that. Okay. There is a witness to this who apparently talked her into renting another bike. That's correct. And what's his story? Uh, I, I can't speak. I haven't spoke to the other individual. And I want to be very clear. Our defamation is, is against the media and the way they blew this into a disaster. For huh. Specifically, which media? Um, every uh, organization that uh, referred to her as a Karen, a racist, and a thief. Wow. Looking for money or what are you looking for? Looking, looking to right or wrong. We're doing that here through the public, letting them know what happened. But we're going to do it through the court system as well so that these in- institutions are going to think twice before they try to ruin someone's okay. life. Yeah. I think, boy, really what it comes down to is news media ought to uh, not jump on whatever viral story is happening and wait to see what is going on. Because yeah. basic common sense would tell you it makes absolutely no sense to think this youngish, you know, pregnant woman was going to approach a bunch of dudes on a rented bike and say, no, that's mine. Even if it was a misunderstanding, too, I mean, I, I still stand by the statement I made last week, which is what kind of man, even if he did, it's not your bike, you rented it, and let's say there is a dispute, let's say for the sake of argument, she is in the wrong. Why are you fighting a pregnant lady, man? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Just just say, okay, there's another bike over here, I'm going to go rent it. Not that big of a deal, right? But apparently she had actually done it. And I feel like I'm reporting on a fifth grade altercation right, right. now. Like, well, actually, little Timmy had the bike first. It's so stupid, man. I hope oh. she gets paid, man. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin show. Uh, biggest story of the day. There are a few uh, happening right now. Uh, of course, Tim Scott, uh, senator out of South Carolina, has announced that he is running for president. Uh, I don't think he stands a chance, but, hey, we'll see. No. We'll see what happens here. Um, and so we'll, we'll be going over some of the reaction uh, for that. Uh, also, we've got this debt limit crisis that's happening, and the president is saying, I'm completely blameless. And on that same note, I want to tell you, another Democrat is out there saying the reason why Joe Biden's approval is so low is because people haven't internalized how great he's been for them just yet. See, it's your fault you don't recognize right. his brilliance. We'll get to that and much more. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. 
Now, I know we talked a lot about the state of the economy, right? It's kind of a weird mixed bag that's going on. You get good jobs reports, and then you look into the details, and you say, okay, well, it's a lot of part-time gig economy work that's coming up. Full-time employment is pretty strong, but at the same time, there are a lot of job openings right now, and it's this whole mishmash of of just craziness that's happening. Uh, inflation has been running amok, and now that it's not quite as bad, they're counting that as a, a victory, I guess. <laughs> like right. Price is only going up 5% year-over-year year exactly. after a whatever 14% year-over-year year increase. Okay. Gas prices are down $0.02 cents a gallon. Right, so. exactly, yeah. all this mm-hmm. stuff. You still have food banks desperate for donations because more and more people are using it, and people are taking home less money, at least less buying power, uh, than they were a few years ago. Yeah. But at least we have no mean tweets. And I think it's interesting that every once in a while when Democrats are confronted with this, they go to the same well, which is, well, you know, Joe's policies really haven't kicked in yet. I mean, it, it's been more than two years. <laughs> they were waiting on, still waiting on that, are we? What are you, you, you going to do? Okay, so Dan Goldman. One of the worst members of Congress, uh, Democrat Representative Dan Goldman, says he's excited to start campaigning on behalf of Joe Biden because things are going so well. People just haven't internalized it yet. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm excited to, for the American people to start to really internalize and understand firsthand all of the significant achievements that President Biden has delivered to this point. So I'm very proud to support him. I think he's done a fantastic job, and I look forward to uh, making that case uh, to the American people. <laughs> Just haven't internalized it. No, the, good. We look forward to you making that case as well. This reminds fun me. to sit back and watch. This reminds me. I, I, I grew up as an Astros fan, and I know they've been a really good team uh, mm-hmm. for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, won a couple of World Series. I mean, yes, it's been really good, but there were really bad years for a long time. And year after year after year, we always heard the same thing. And maybe you've experienced this with your favorite teams. You always hear the term, we're in a rebuilding year. Oh, yeah. Right? That, then generally, that, yeah. that a lot of times that's just an excuse that they throw out there if a team is garbage, losing over 100 games a year and whatnot. Um. But you know, generally what they're intimating is that, oh, well, you got to look at the minor league system. we got some stars coming up. And eventually that turned out to be true uh, for the Houston Astros. But for about 10 years there, <laughs> boy, it didn't seem all that true, did it? Well, and we're told, too, to trust the process. Yeah, trust the process. You've got to trust rebuilding. the process. Right. We're rebuilding. Yeah, except this isn't Been some... rebuilding for 20 years. Right. <laughs> right. Cubs fans were like 100 years in the making. Yeah, that was the rebuilding had been going on since 1946. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, except this isn't as trivial as baseball. This is, this is no. real stuff. This is real life. And when the best argument they have is, I know that things are tough for you right now, but you just have it's your fault. You haven't internalized how exactly. great things are. That's just a slap in the face to Americans. Back to your sports metaphor, too. The one I used to hear all the time, too, is, well, you know, we've only got seven, 8,000 people coming out to every game. I mean, we don't have that kind of money. <laughs> so, in other words, come out and support a crap team. Yeah. And maybe, just maybe, we'll put a winner on the field when we have enough money. I mean, right. it's ridiculous. Blame the fans. Yeah. There you go. Always, that's always fun, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, is, that is true. Yeah. It's but all... the TV audience didn't watch this show because, well, quite frankly, it was over their heads. Mm-hmm. 
they weren't quite smart enough to figure it out. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it's your fault. Or okay. pe- people didn't go see that movie Bros because of internalized homophobia. R- right, Not that because was nobody it. really cares about Billy Eichner anymore. No, nobody cares. Right. It's just, it, that's why, though. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, elsewhere in the news, last week the Pentagon said it had a $3 billion accounting error, and it turns out they actually have an extra $3 billion to spend on Ukraine. Uh, and how they got to that was, I guess they were when they were looking at the expenditures and the cost of materials that were being sent from the United States to or being reallocated from the United States arsenal and, and stockpile to uh, Ukraine, they looked at the replacement cost as if they were going to be buying a new one versus what the actual like Kelly Blue Book value or whatever mm-hmm. of that missile system or whatever they were sending was so so it turns out actually good news just ahead of the announcement that uh, we were going to be helping supply f-16s to ukraine we, we happen to find three billion dollars in the sofa cushions Who right knew? yeah so national security advisor jake sullivan was on cnn and jake tapper i don't love the way he framed this but you know he, he still seemed a little bit uh uh miffed by the fact yeah. that you could have a three billion dollar rounding error essentially that's a hell of an accounting error, um, and it provides a lot of fodder to critics of USAID to Ukraine and critics who say there's not enough oversight going on. Um, are you concerned about this accounting error? Well, one thing I just want to make clear, that is not money that went out the, dis- the door and disappeared. That is not a waste of that $3 billion. It is simply a tally of how much military equipment we have given them. And the way that the Pentagon was Mm -hmm. counting it was, what's the replacement cost for the equipment we provide, rather than just the actual cost of that equipment? Once you make that adjustment, it turns out we have an additional $3 billion that we can spend uh, to provide even more weapons to Ukraine. And at the end of the day, not one penny of U.S. dollars will have gone missing or have been misallocated. It will all be provided in the form of equipment to Ukraine on the battlefield. But of course, it would be better to get it right in terms of the accounting up front. In the end, though, uh, the Pentagon discovered the error, the Pentagon corrected the error, and Ukraine will get what it needs in the American taxpayer will uh, be able to be confident that this money is being spent uh, effectively and appropriately. No, there, there you go, Scott. See, that was just a nice minute-long McGurkin, wasn't it? It was, total McGurkin. Here, let me, let me repeat the question back to you as to how this all went down and then say, but we are keeping tabs on it. No, I mean, right. we're really not. And I, I, I hate the way yeah. that liberals will spend this, and you heard it a little bit from Jake Tapper from CNN. Mm-hmm. Like, this gives a lot of fodder to critics. Right. Well, no, how about it proves the critics right? Right. That Can't say that. Right. You know, you can actually say, boy, the critics actually have a point that you're not really keeping track of everything that is going to Ukraine. Because, man, if you had a $3 billion accounting mistake that well, seemed to be a pretty simple fix, what else are you missing? And you treat this thing like the person who has, like, six credit cards all maxed out. Right. And they find a seventh one they haven't used anything on yet. But it's got an open line of like $4,000 on yeah. it, so you go run that one up, too. We found this money. We're going to give it back to the Ukraine. Right. 
Yeah, no right. discussion, no conversation. <laughs> right. It's just here it is. Look at that. And then, here we go. And then if you question it or yeah. just ask, "Hey, where's our money going? Where's our right. equipment going?" You're, yes. you're called a Putin apologist. And right. You can't. You can't question it. No. Say it again. I mean, Putin's objectively the bad guy in this situation. Yes. There's no question about that. He's the bad guy here. That being said, how much are we willing to go out on a limb for a country that, I mean, the, the discussions of them being part of NATO and, and whatnot were not really on the table because of corruption issues. And you're seeing all these reports about how uh, multiple government officials have had to resign because of corruption, because they're taking money or they're marking up food prices uh, that are being sent from abroad, uh, you know, for whatever supplies they are. It's like, hey, this, this, you know, this bag of beans costs $10, but I'm going to charge $20 to right. sell it and pocket the other 10 I mean, that, that kind of stuff is happening all the time. And asking for accountability, especially for a war that we're theoretically not directly involved in, even though we are, mm -hmm. but the line is we're not directly involved in it. We're providing material support. I think the American taxpayer deserves to know where all this stuff is going. And again, well, <laughs> yeah, and I'm tired of the whole act, too. I'm hired, tired of the jumpsuit Zelensky and yeah. pounding his fist and wanting more money from all these countries. And it's like, dude. At the end of the day, we've forgotten about what you were before all this started. Right. You know, I mean, you still are that. Mm -hmm. But uh, you're being in. I don't know. It's. Yeah, it is. I know it's more complicated than that, and it probably involves a much deeper discussion. But holy smokes, man. I just like the way you find the money, and you rather than going, hey, with $30 billion, we can, uh, I guess what we can do with this. It's, it's assumed it's going to go right back in. Right. Look at that. We got 30 more billion to send. Right. I mean, seriously, I mean, what the, it's all just monopoly money now anyway. It doesn't mean anything. It, it really does just come across as some people, yeah. you know, playing with monopoly money, but also yeah, lining just throwing their, it around. Look, yeah. look what we found here. Lining their own pockets is, is well, the way it looks. It's, it's completely off the hook. Why mm -hmm. we aren't, why the, the answers we deserve we'll never get. Yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, and I mean a much lighter note, because I think we all could use a little bit of a respite from the heavy news, right? Yeah. Someone actually... Uh, analyze complaints about pet owners on social media, like who yep. doesn't clean up after their dog, you know, things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. And they ranked them based on factors like population density and the number of pet owners. And the worst city for people not cleaning up after their dog is Seattle. Really? Seattle and then uh, San Francisco is actually second. Well, how do you discern what's human and what's dog in San Francisco? That, that was exactly my question. No, right. I mean, how do you know? Like, are, are you really sure? Because there may be a lot of complaints about poop on yeah. the streets, but you right, don't know, know if it was Fido. But or... when you're hosing down the sidewalk, you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, you don't, you don't know. Yeah. And I'm not picking that up. I'm sorry, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> remember, remember when San Francisco was hiring a, a, a street cleaning team? Yeah. And they were getting paid like $100,000 a year to yeah. go out there and clean up the poop on the streets. Yeah, like every morning, early morning, yeah. they'd like the Disney crew. They'd go out and make sure the park looks nice, you know? <laughs> going, I mean, going hose yeah. down the bums. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> now, I will say the cities with the best dog owners are Tucson, Arizona, uh, Arizona uh, Virginia Beach, Raleigh, North Carolina, Omaha, Nebraska, San Antonio, Texas, Indianapolis, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, Philadelphia. And Sacramento. Now, would you agree with that being a San Antonian? Uh, I think, well, yeah, I think the city does a pretty good job of, in, in parks of uh, 
making sure that there are waste bags available. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I mean, my neighborhood gets a lot of complaints because some people don't actually clean up after their dogs. But yeah, I have know. a commons area out when where my my apartment, and there's a lot of people in my apartment complex that have dogs, but mm-hmm. they walk them, and the complaint always is yeah. they don't clean it up. No. Well, yeah. I remember that building. Yeah, I mean, people yeah. would, you know, there'd be urine in the in the elevator. Well, yeah, you've got that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that, that, that's just the price of living in the city. <laughs> right, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, of course, right. somebody's going to take a leak in there. God, well, they don't. Well, they don't supply the the, the proper porta johnnies for people. So <laughs> just stock it with the pens. Each, each one at on. urinal inside the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the aunt of Jordan Neely says he was a sweet boy. We'll get to that next. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. Thank you so much for joining us today. Mm-hmm. We always appreciate it. Uh, so the violent criminal who was restrained by a Marine and ultimately died on a New York City subway had his funeral on Friday. I don't know if you saw any of the coverage of that. It is. You know, um, I did not. I didn't see a second of you it. You got what? Al Sharpton. You know. You oh, got yeah. all these dignitaries. It was a state funeral for the guy who assaulted an elderly woman and a seven-year-old child. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. All right. The, the, Jordan Neely is who we're talking about. He's yeah. been exalted in the media as a fun-loving Michael Jackson impersonator, despite several arrests for violent assaults. There was a Marine, Daniel Penny who uh, restrained him after a violent outburst on the subway. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Neely passed away. The lawyer for Daniel Penny, who is now facing manslaughter charges, has said, look, we're not here to tar and feather uh, Jordan Neely, but we do want to provide context for what happened. You know, this guy was there. He was known by many regular riders of the subway and not as a fun-loving Michael Jackson impersonator. He was known as kind of a, a loose cannon. Yeah. So he's on there, he's throwing down his clothes and he's, you know, saying, I don't care if I go to jail, I don't care, you know, all this stuff. And yet he's being lifted up in liberal media circles to make this what? Like, because uh, the Marine is white and he's black, this is some sort of like white supremacist vigilant, uh, vigilante justice or some such nonsense. It's crazy. Well, now his family members are out there. They weren't for, you know, they weren't with him while he was still alive, but now that he's dead... They're well, going to come is, in and collect. This is fairly sadly typical of how these things usually work. His aunt, Mildred Mahazu, was interviewed by ABC News. And, well, here's part of what she had to say. Jordan was a very, very sweet person. He liked to be loved and he loved people. Why was he homeless then? You know, Jamie asked that question like the day after yeah. this happened. If he was such a beloved figure, then why was he homeless? Why... Well, I'm not saying that all homeless people are evil. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying if he has all these family members who think, oh, he was a sweet guy. If I knew that my cousin, Why? I liked my cousin, yeah. was homeless, I'd be like, dude, come on. I mean, come stay loved, on my couch for a little while until you get pe- back on your if feet. He, yeah, if he loved people so much, why did he punch an old woman in the face? And yeah. Why did he have 40-some, you know, arrests under his belt? Why? Mm-hmm. I mean, why did these Why did these things happen This for this sweet boy who loved people? Yeah. He was very, very, very friendly. He is a a diamond in the ground. What do you think should happen to Daniel Penny? I think Daniel Penny 
I think you should be punished. I'm not a judge. So why would you put your arm, your hand around someone's neck and choke them when you know you would die in less than two or three minutes? So that means murder. So what does justice look like for you and your family? As I still say, I'm not a judge, but he need to be. Make, he need to make some time for that. You don't need to walk a free man. No, I. Daniel Penny did what needed to be done. And I'm, I think everybody is, uh, you know, didn't want the guy to die. Of course not. But when you have a violent person and you're stuck in an underground tube for who knows how long, and you got this guy who's running around talking about he didn't care if he's going to jail, then, uh, I mean, somebody's got to step in, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to do something. But no, I mean, in this current culture, in this current climate, no, that that's it. You know, people who try to steal a pregnant lady's rented bike are looked upon as the victims, and Jordan Neely is looked upon as a victim. It, it just it boggles my mind that we're in this position where something so clear-cut and tragic, sure, can be allowed to get spun into a situation where Jordan Neely is this hero. Right. It, it doesn't make any sense. All right, uh, this is the Markley Van Camp Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Thank you, as always, for being here. The lawmakers are still going back and forth over the debt limit with Republicans wanting to cut future spending in exchange for raising our national credit card limit. You know, when are we going to get the first article on what exactly it is that will be cut or not happen if this budget thing is not met? Well, they, they want to roll back uh, some of the expanded uh, like food stamps. Uh, programs, right. things like that, that were that were delivered. But I mean, we're, we're talking about the seismic, like the, the it's going to collapse. Everything's just going to collapse and oh. burn around it. What do you? I mean, what is the accuracy in that statement? That it could be uh, that if we default? catastrophic. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're they're yes. I mean, the markets teeter. I know. Yeah, I mean that it, it could definitely hurt the economy, the U.S. economy, which is one of the reasons why I'm I'm wondering. Why is it that Democrats have taken this no negotiating thing? They just want a clean, you know, uh, debt limit lifting. It makes absolutely no sense. And Republicans are saying, okay, well, let's cut future spending so that we don't have to do this again. Yes. And honestly, the proposals, I know some conservatives who are some conservative economists who are saying the cuts that are being proposed from Republicans aren't deep enough. Right. But, you know, Democrats have been taking this whole no negotiating uh, standpoint. Meanwhile, Republicans in the House have actually passed a spending plan. But Democrats won't touch it. They want the political win. They want to be able to turn around and say, well, Republicans are responsible for us barreling towards default. Um, Joe Biden was asked whether or not he considers himself blameless as we head down this road. And, well, here... Here's what Joe Biden said. It was actually somewhat coherent, Scott. I'm I'm pleased to tell you. I'm ready. On the merits, based on what I've offered, I would be blameless. On the politics of it, no one will be blameless. And by the way, that's one of the the things that some are, are contemplating. 
I actually had, well, I got to be careful here. Oh, boy. I think there are some MAGA Republicans in the House who know the damage that it would do to the economy. And because I am president, and presidents are responsible for everything, Biden would take the blame, and that's the one way to make sure Biden's not reelected. Thank okay. you. Okay. Yeah. That's... Well, well, then it sounds like you ought to start playing ball then, doesn't it? You know, you, the, the frustrating right. thing, and I know a lot of people's eyes glaze over about this, but uh, this kind of stuff, but it is pretty important to be following and keeping tabs on no deal as of right now. I mean, when, when Joe Biden has essentially said, no, I'm not going to negotiate with these extremist MAGA cuts without actually saying what those cuts are and and just straight up lying about what Republicans want to do, there's a problem here. And yes, Joe Biden is responsible for this. If he's not getting his party in line to at least come to a bargaining position with Republicans, then it sort of seems like he wants a default in order to blame Republicans. It's all political calculations, and it's all well, being done with your money. Yeah, and again, I mean, it's almost like he gets paid by how many times he can slip a MAGA in there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's, that's part like, of the brand. That's like the, that's like the new thing, right? That's yeah. the new brand. Yeah, part of the branding there. No, I just hear all this stuff, and I'm like, if it's dire like this, and, and, and it is what they say it is, man, you'd think there'd be all kinds of motivation to make deals right now. Yeah, you would think, but the thing I mean, is, there's I, I politics this, at play. A lot of this stuff, and a lot of us know because we've gone through this before, that it, all this you know eleventh hour stuff gets done, mm-hmm. you know, fifteen minutes before the deadline expires. All of a sudden, we have an agreement, you know. Yeah, uh, that's the way it seems to work I, all I, the time. Every everybody postures position yeah. until yeah. they absolutely have to. Yeah, and I, I think that probably will be the case. Yeah, uh, you know, you'll have some situation like you said at the eleventh hour. Yeah, that. I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, is going to be working out a deal with Joe Biden, and so they both can come out looking like they got to win. Which is w- yeah. what they both want to do. Yeah. So why why skip on the drama? Well, they know the deal is going to get done. So they yeah, want Joe, the drama in order to rile up a base. That's right. And, and really, and, and, and here's Joe, though. I mean, yeah. please. Right. They, won't, they won't do this, so I can't get reelected. Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's it. Yeah. Meanwhile, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, uh, you know, loves to talk about how New York City is a, a sanctuary city. Yeah. Is saying, you know what? This is becoming a burden on us. Mm-hmm. It already yeah. is a burden. We've got like uh, 60,000 people or whatever that we're having to take care of. And more cities need to be carrying their weight as well. We need to be dispersing these migrants to other cities in the United States. Well, you had the open for business sign up, pal. Well, exactly. Here you he know. is on uh, Face the Nation yesterday. Uh, we have 108,000 cities, villages, towns. Uh, if everyone takes a small portion of that, and if it's coordinated uh, at the border to ensure that those who are coming here uh, to this country in a lawful manner it's actually uh, moved mm-hmm. throughout the entire country. It is not a burden on one city. And the numbers need to be clear. Uh, we received over 70,000 uh, migrant asylum seekers uh, in our city. 42,000 are still in our care. If yeah. this is properly handled at the border level, uh, this issue can be resolved while we finally get Congress, uh, particularly the Republican Party, mm-hmm. to deal with a sure. comprehensive immigration mm-hmm. policy. Republicans did actually have an offer. Democrats said it was hateful. 
because you're turning away people who just want to come to America and live the American dream. Mm -hmm. This is not who we are, Mayor Adams. Yeah, I'm sorry, but once you stake out the position that, that you're a sanctuary city and you support that, then your your complaints kind of fall on deaf ears. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I don't care what these people think. I don't care what Eric Adams' solution is. By the way, there's going to be a whole lot of counties in New York going, well, the hell with that. We don't want this. Right. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to break them up into, into you know, geography and toss yeah. them all over the state? Nope. Yeah. Well, and a lot we'll of the push people, back on that. Well, and, and frankly, a lot of the people who are in New York right now want to stay in New York. That was their destination. Yeah. Same thing with Chicago and the same thing with Los Angeles. I mean, there are yep. a lot of major cities where that was where they wanted to go. I would love to ask Eric Adams, do you still feel like you're a sanctuary city? Do you still yeah, right. welcome every? I mean, uh, seriously, yeah. do you still feel that way today yeah. after all this? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, give me your, I mean, give me your true thoughts on this. Yeah. Maybe if you had to do it all over, you would have went, wait a minute, no, no, not here. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Democrat Representative Jamal Bowman, he likes to mix it up with Republicans for the cameras. He's been seen several times yelling at lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's one of those fake tough guys. Um, but last week he got into it with Marjorie Taylor Greene, clapping in her face, yelling about saving the party or something. No more QAnon! Ah! Yeah, that guy. Marjorie Taylor Greene said, hey, I felt a little threatened by this guy because he is getting up in her face. Yep. Uh, now, according to The View's Sonny Hostin, one of your favorites, Scott, yeah, racist. that was basically her wishing death on Jamal Bowman. Yeah, tremendous That's putting racist. a black man's life yeah. in danger by saying yeah. that you felt threatened. Mm -hmm. This has been happening for decades, or perhaps even longer than that, centuries, where a white woman says something like, he feels threatening to me, he's mm. harassing me, yeah. um, and, and that can end in the death of a black man, and she knows that. So that was a dog whistle, it was a bullhorn, oh, everything that he said. Sakes. How? Can you just stop? A guy was getting in, uh, I mean, regardless of how you feel about Marjorie Taylor Greene, I mean, guy's getting in her face yelling at her, he does this all the time, he, he crashes the press gaggles. All the time. He did it with George Santos. Did you hear that part? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, George Santos, the fraudster who yeah, he's, a he's facing a lot of charges yeah. right now. He's a knucklehead. <laughs> he's pretty ridiculous. But yeah, uh, he's doing a little uh, interview with some press that had gav gathered on the steps of the Capitol. And, I mean, Jamal Bowman has a serious self-control issue. I allowed the process to play itself out. He got it done. Resign. Like I said, if, if I could, if I could understand you over my colleague screaming here, the reality <laughs> is, is yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting because Jamal Bowman showed up on CNN, and Aaron Burnett asked him, "Hey, are these outbursts really necessary?" And then he had yeah. another outburst. He's an he angry guy, man. Whoa! Come on now, come on now, CNN, y'all tripping now? Listen. That was, first of all, he should resign or be expelled because of the laws that he is being accused of breaking, the violations, and lying to his constituents. That's number one. But number two, is, is heckling like, uh, like a horrible, evil thing? Is teasing someone? Is, is friendly banter a, a horrible, evil thing? Like, come on, y'all. Like, let, let's, everybody needs to lighten up and understand that, one, in a healthy democracy, dialogue and debate is essential, number one. Number two, 
uh, why even frame a question in that way? Because that feeds into the trope that. Well, as no, a black I mean, I'm just man, wondering dialogue. No, I... as a black man, I'm not allowed to raise my voice. Right. Well, nobody said that. I know. It always. You just I act mean, like I a can't... lunatic. I can't imagine being these people like Sonny Hostin. When you get up in the morning, the only thing you're doing is is seeking out some sort of racial grievance that you can create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and your whole world revolves around this. Oh yeah. This is what you do all the time. And man, that's got to be weary after a while. Yeah, you would think. But... I mean, that's how you make your money. You got to yeah. keep going. It can be with lucrative. This stuff. But man, yeah. this guy. You know, he's a knucklehead. This guy's a knucklehead, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. He's yelling and screaming. and Okay. Did you hear about this? Uh, scientists have been thinking uh, or have been working on this project of what to do with babies' diapers. Because they can be very harmful for the uh, environment. Oh. Right? They, don't, they don't really decompose or anything like that. They're messy. They're toxic. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's ever raised a baby, I'm oh, yeah. in the thick of it right now. Right. Uh, yeah, you, you know that. So researchers in Japan say that they have sanitized disposable diapers and they can be used to make concrete and mortar to build homes. So the really? idea is that it's a way to recycle diapers and address shortages in, uh, in building materials. So they can be substituted for fine aggregates that are normally used in concrete so mortar for structural uses like load-bearing walls, road pavement could be uh, could uh, tolerate about 10% added diaper material. Man, I don't know. So they're talking about using diapers to build roads, bridges, and, and homes. And now we know why Joe Biden took a trip to Japan, because he's got a whole truckload of adult <laughs> diapers that could be yeah. used to build something. I was just thinking that <laughs> maybe you uh, threaten Russia with that, with the Ukraine. We're going to fly over and drop oh, diapers gotcha. on your head. <laughs> Probably signing that peace accord today. Yeah. <laughs> Just a heads up. It was chilly night at the Van Camp house. <laughs> right. Here we go. I think that would make me a war Surrender. Yeah. Surrender. <laughs> All right. I want to. I want to hit this again. Uh, the sixty minutes piece on artificial intelligence. This is wild stuff, man. Yep. Uh, this is like humanity-ending stuff. We'll get to it next. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Mark Lee is on special assignment. I, this was a pretty remarkable segment to see on 60 Minutes. And I don't usually watch 60 Minutes anymore, especially after Trump just completely ruined What's-Her-Face with, with the whole, yes. with that interview that he, oh gosh, where the Hunter Biden laptop can't be, can't, can't be uh, verified. We don't well, know well, uh, yeah. all that stuff. Um, but they did a piece on artificial intelligence and what is coming and what is already here Jeez. available to scam artists. And I wonder what the you know global political implications of this might be because it's pretty easy now to fake somebody's voice. This and is to, frightening stuff. To, right. To depre- I'm telling you. To, to pretend to be somebody that you're not. Yep. And so what they did was they had an ethical hacker uh, scam one of the show's producers pretending to be the reporter who was doing the story, asking for personal information of this producer. And it's remarkable, man. Toback found Elizabeth's cell phone number on a business networking website. As we set up for an interview, Toback called Elizabeth but used an AI-powered app to mimic my voice and ask for my passport number. Yes, 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 I do have it. 
Okay, ready? It's... Toback played the AI-generated voice recording for us to reveal the scam. Elizabeth, sorry, need my passport number because the Ukraine trip is on. Can you read that out to me? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yes. You, and I gave her... Wow. Was duped sitting over there. Did, what did it say on your phone? Sharon, how did you do that? So I used something called a spoofing tool to actually be able to call you as Sharon. Oh, so I was no. hacked and I failed. I failed. No. But everybody would get tricked with that. Yeah. Everybody would. It says Sharon. Why? So that's Man. The, one of the key parts to me. There's a, a little bit more in this audio cut, but... The the key part to me is that it shows up as the person yeah. that you think on, on your caller ID. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do how, where did they get the sample of the voice? In this case, they used it. They do address it here in this clip, and we can play a yeah. little bit more of it. But I mean, in in this case, the reporter all they needed to do was grab audio samples from sixty minutes. That's it. Yeah, and so and that kind of stuff is available for a whole lot of people. Here, here's a little bit more of the explanation. Why would I not answer this call? Why would I not give that information? Toback showed us how she took clips of me from television and put it into an app that cloned my voice. It took about five minutes. I am a public person. My voice is out there. Could a person who's not a public person like me right. be spoofed as easily? Anybody can be spoofed. And oftentimes, attackers will go after people. They don't even know who these people are. But they just know this person has a relationship to this other person. And they can impersonate that person enough just by changing the pitch and the modulation of their voice that I believe that's my nephew and I need to really wire that money. It's a spooky world we live in right now, Scott. It is. It really is. Yeah. It, well, I'm just thinking of the million and a half different ways this can go sideways in a hurry. Oh, dude. The, I mean, the red phone in the Oval Office rings. Hello, Joe Biden. It is Vladimir Putin. Right. The missiles launch in an hour. Putin. Putin. That's what I just did in my pants. Putin. Oh, God. Um I don't even, you know, th that's why, I don't know how you do this. I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle. I don't oh, know no. if you can. No, you, you just. I mean, the, the trust of anything that's not standing right in front of you mm -hmm. at the time, having, I mean, anything, you, everyone you communicate with. I, now, I agree with you, David. There is a halting sort of tone to the voice. Yeah, but if you think it's an emergency, right, you'll you never... Would, you would go ahead and, and do whatever. Yeah. There is something that they... There was a tip you said they used, though, in the yeah. show to and keep we, this from happening to you. Yeah, we can get to that in a few minutes. And uh, yeah. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins show. Uh, biggest story of the day today, yeah. I, I know there's the debt limit. Uh, Tim Scott, uh, South Carolina Republican senator, has announced he is running for president officially. Uh, and we're supposed to be hearing of a, a few more who are going to be jumping in, including yeah. Ron DeSantis, potentially Mike Pence getting involved in the uh, Republican primary. Uh, it's going to be interesting watching all of this go down. I really do believe that. I, I, um, Is Chris Christie still talking about this? I think so, yeah. I th he seems pretty serious that he's going to okay. do it. And right. I, I don't know if this is just to up his chops for whatever future TV gig or whatever don't book deal he wants to write. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, anyway, we, we'll get to uh, all of that, plus the big trifecta, top three stories of the day with Scott Robinson.
The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. Got the big trifecta coming up with Scott Robbins in just a couple of minutes here. Want to play cleanup duty and then bring you a news update here. Uh, One, you had mentioned we were talking about 60 Minutes did this incredible report. Right. Uh, And one of the things that they did was use uh, artificial intelligence app, essentially, to mimic the voice of a reporter. And then they spoofed the cell phone and managed to make it seem like this reporter was calling a producer asking uh, for her passport information. And the producer was none the wiser, thought it was actually the reporter calling, so gave out that personal information. Yeah. And there is a way uh, to get around stuff like that if you are worried about being targeted. Uh, You know, a family member may be tougher with this, but if you're worried about, you know, a false call from a bank Mm -hmm. or, you know, the IRS or whatever it may be, all you have to do is say, uh, hold on, let me call you back. And then you look up the actual number, not don't just redial, but just look up the actual number for whatever institution called you right. and then call them back and say, hey, did you need this information? Yeah, um, that's all you have to do. And, and if it is a legitimate call, most banks will understand that most institutions that would be calling you would understand that. And if they get a little bit squirmy about it well that's that's a huge red flag you know uh hi this is uh this is uh bank of america calling for david van camp uh you owe us ten thousand (laughs) dollars okay let me call you back no don't no we need to know an answer now yeah they're gonna yeah that means they're probably scamming you but do you get these texts every once in a while i think a lot of people do that'll tell me my netflix uh membership or my netflix subscription is in violation I need to bring it up to date financially. I'll, I'll get an email every once in a while from an old email account that I rarely yeah, look at. And, and I, I look at it, and I'm thinking, well, that's totally a scam. I, my net, yeah. my, I pay my Netflix bill. It comes out of my account every month, right? Yeah. But they got your phone number somehow. Mm-hmm. And then they go ahead, and they've done it with uh, Netflix, did it with Amazon. Your Amazon account currently is unavailable because yeah. you owe money. And I'm like, I first of all, I don't have an Amazon account, so strike one. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I don't know what this even is, but I never click. I just dump it right away. Yeah, that's but a I'm good like, idea. You, don't you know? Yeah. If you, if, I mean, I can see like scamming the elderly. You know, thinking, oh my gosh, I've oh, got sure. it. You know, my Netflix is. I, mean, I haven't paid my, but I pay my bill. I thought I did. You know, unbelievable. Yeah, some of that stuff looks pretty legitimate. Yeah, you know. I think public caning for these people too that are doing oh absolutely this, yeah you know yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think the one thing, and I don't even know if it's a scam or not. I think someone put in my number on accident like we have a similar number but uh-huh. i keep getting and it's been going on for months now a uh, a text message every once in a while asking if i'd like to take out a payday loan i oh. won't say the company's name but All i right. will say uh rachel if you're listening the loan company wants to talk to you because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it always is a text message rachel did you spend all your cash over the weekend? Talk to us yes. now to get $2,000. Right. No, I didn't talk to you. No. <clears throat> yeah, no. And my name's not Rachel. No. No, I haven't had my gender-affirming care yet, okay? <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not Rachel Van Camp just yet. Oh, uh, news update here real quick. There's a new Har- Har- uh, see, uh, Joe Biden, that one. Yeah, um, Harris-Harvard poll that talks about now the Russia collusion hoax. Now that, I mean, it's definitive. Yes, this was fake. People investigating Trump for colluding with the Russians knew it was fake. They did it anyway. Uh, I thought this was really interesting. Harvard-Harris poll. Uh, 56% of Americans in this poll 
know that it's a false story. But that's still terrifying that only 56% of Americans know that it's not true that Donald Trump or the allegation that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians is not true. Uh, Do you think the one of the questions was, do you think that the Steele dossier that included salacious accusations against Trump, the PP tape stuff in a Russian hotel and stated Russia had a tape of what transpired as a true story or was it a false story? Only 56 percent say, yeah, I know that's a false story. Forty four percent again think it was true. (laughs) Fifty nine. 59% believe that the Hunter Biden laptop stuff was never Russian disinformation, which that's a little bit better. Yeah, but but still, you've got a large percentage of people who still believe that. Yeah, because all they saw was the headline making the rounds. They heard Joe Biden say this was all made up. It's a Russian plot, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. The the propaganda works that the left has been pumping out for years. It works. And that's something that you got to confront. That's something that, and I don't know, you know, how you do it on a national level i know how you can do it in a private setting i'm not saying you get heated at the thanksgiving dinner table or anything like that but right like we've talked about plenty of times you just try to run down okay you think that this was true what if i told you that the inspector general for the justice department michael horowitz said it wasn't true what if i what if i what if i told you that and here are articles to back this up what if I showed you these news articles that say that the Hunter Biden laptop was absolutely real? And, you know, there may be some liberals who are so brainwashed by this stuff that they'll never believe you. But there's always a chance somebody will. Mm-hmm. And the, the trick to me, at least, what I've found in my personal life is, is, is really working hard to not come across like the crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. <laughs> and just say, look, these people lie to you all the time. Okay, and they're turning the frogs gay. All right. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) also Stevie Wonder isn't blind. Okay, (laughs) I at least once I'll tell you at least once a month, I get an article from somebody else confirming what you said about Stevie Wonder. Oh, that Stevie Wonder's been faking. It's not really blind. blind. Yeah, Yeah. like there's some you know some (laughs) far out magazine somewhere that printed the same. And I'll well, get a copy. Hey, yeah. show this to Van Camp. Well, I'm, I'm a subscriber from Not Blind Weekly, so <laughs> <laughs> just a r- running list of people who are not actually blind. Stevie Wonder uh, is always number one on that list. All right, yes. are you ready for your big trifecta? Yeah, let's go. All right. Are you ready? One, two, look at you. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. All right, it's the trifecta. Top three stories of the day according to Scott Robbins. Usually yep. we have Casey Kasem along for the ride, but he vacations with Markley. Well, he was at the party, the graduation yeah. party yesterday for his son. So That's I, what I not heard. Not his son, Markley's son. Yeah. Anyway. I did hear he had to hop in a cab to get home. You know, he did. Casey Kasem had a little bit too much drink. He did. Well, we yeah. called him an Uber. Yeah, that's good. That's responsible. Yeah. All right. He kept he kept counting down how many drinks he had. <laughs> he got concerned when he started I mean, I with did. 40. Yeah, <laughs> yes. All right. Number yes. three, uh, NAACP is urging people to avoid, uh, urging black people to avoid Florida. That's right. That's right. Avoid Florida. So uh, Derek Johnson. NAACP's Derek Johnson making the rounds, and and I can't believe I'm doing this, but again, this is like the second time today, we're actually going to credit CNN with something like journalism. 
So he's on the show, and uh, the uh, the anchor says to him, you know, I'm looking at some of these numbers, and it looks here to me like Florida's leading the nation right now in black-owned businesses. So when you hear those kind of numbers, what they're saying is, look, African-Americans and Hispanics are doing quite well in Florida when it comes to running their own businesses and being able to make money there and also being able to live decent lives. How do you address that? She asked, very sour-faced to Mr. Johnson, Derek Johnson, said, well, essentially, the facts don't matter. Those stats had nothing to do with DeSantis' statistic, or specifically saying for years now that Florida is not an attractive state to do business in if you're of color. He also brought up DeSantis' war with Disney. Now, Disney just pulled a billion-dollar project, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Without noting that uh, the move had been in the works for months. And reportedly had nothing to do with DeSantis. But again, when pressed with the question, boy, seems to me that the black-owned businesses and Hispanic-owned businesses here, there's a lot of them, and they're prospering. People are having a really nice time here. How do you justify what you just told people not to do? Mm-hmm. Well, he can't. No. Doesn't he live in Tampa, too? He does. That's the <laughs> other thing. That was what I was getting to next. You're right, David. <laughs> All right. The dude lives in Tampa, Florida, okay? <laughs> Telling you not to come there yeah. if you're black or Hispanic because you're not welcome there. <laughs> Except he is. Well, he, he doesn't want to be around other black people, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's, unbelievable. He's looking around going, there's too many black people doing well in Florida. Stay away. That, that is an unbelievable story, yes. Yeah, it is. All right, it's the trifecta top three stories of the day. According to Scott Robbins, we're down to number two, Kamala yeah. Harris. Celebrating the WNBA, you tell me. You know, she went to the game when yeah. uh, Brittany Griner returned, don't you? Uh-huh. Uh, and before the game, she addressed the team. We know how well that goes with her. Mm. And there's no audio on this, but she said, even before all this happened, BG, meeting Brittany Griner, yeah. looking right at her, you led with courage. And while it was happening, you showed such poise, dignity, and grace when she was locked up in Russia. Mm-hmm. Harris then told Griner that she inspired so many because learning that nothing is going to knock you down, that's really good stuff. She pointed to Griner as a role model, an example of overcoming and overwhelming adversity. So well, you just do your thing, Kamala said. You're one of the finest athletes in the world. Well, with regards to the Russia thing, because she yes. was arrested and jailed in Russia because she brought weed into the country illegally. Yes. Yeah. What did she actually overcome? Because the only reason great question, the only reason she's not in prison right now is because Joe Biden traded an international arms dealer terrorist in exchange Mm -hmm. for her. Griner, by the way, is writing a book about this. Yeah. And maybe Kamala can host a book signing ceremony somewhere for her, too. (laughs) What's the message here is that what uh, you, you, you can do whatever you want. And just, well, rest assured, some old senile white guy is going to bail you out in the end. (laughs) What's the lesson there? Well, and and, and, and two, the game apparently was not a sellout and everybody thought it was going to be. And there was some disappointment there. The coach was mad. Yeah. And everybody's mad. Forgetting, of course, it's still the WNBA. Yeah. But uh, I mean, if if it's like a prison break game or something, you know, (laughs) in that case, then you would sell it out. Yeah, but if you 
if you have your legs shackled together while you're playing, <laughs> that's entertainment. We've actually yeah. we've brought in the the worst people out of a Siberian prison to go play against whoever survives. Yeah, is the, is the WNBA champion. Yeah, you then know. you'd sell out the arena. Okay, oh, I yeah, promise. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, it's the trifecta top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. We are all the way down to number one, oh, and yeah. you just told me it's the sports injury of the year. These stories. Always, you know, you hear about guys that, you know, there was a guy that that uh, went on the disabled list. He was carrying deer meat up the stairs of his yeah. house, and he fell down. Remember that? Yeah. And you hear all that kind of stuff, right? That there was a bug in the room. The guy didn't sleep all night or something, so he couldn't play. Hanser Alberto is the guy's name. He's a second baseman for the Chicago White Sox. He is not technically on the disabled list yet, but could very well go on there. Not playing in the White Sox lineup tonight because he has a shoulder injury. He suffered this shoulder injury yesterday's game when he was running to first base, thought he beat the throw and waved his hands, did the safe sign like this. Oh, no. And threw his shoulder out. (laughs) (laughs) You idiot. Oh, no. (laughs) I have no idea when he's going to be back or uh, how severe it is. But anyway, he's uh, he's at least out for today and probably tomorrow as well. No, that's shame, isn't it? But it's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a million guys do that, right? Yeah. They hit the base and they do the safe sign. Yeah. He did that and threw his shoulder out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you hear those injuries often. I mean, wasn't it during the World Baseball Classic where I forget who it was, was jumping up and down, wrenched his ankle? Yeah. Well, they do that. These guys hit these home runs. When we get to the plate, they jump straight up and down with yeah. all their teammates. And I don't know. There's been several guys mm-hmm. that have torn an ACL doing that or whatever. I can clearly remember too. Jose Cardinal played with the Cubs. He was an outfielder. He was a he was a bit of a free spirit. But he sat, he didn't play one day. He got to the ballpark and he couldn't because he was fatigued because a cricket was in his room all night in his hotel room that <laughs> that kept him up. <laughs> I know, I swear. You know, it's it's stuff like that you just go, I don't understand any of this. In 20 years people will wonder why didn't he just eat it? Right. We're all eating bugs anyway. But when a guy crosses the base and does this, these are professional athletes. Prime of their life, right? Athletics. Mm -hmm. He throws his shoulder out doing that. It's all about the motion and the sudden (laughs) jerkiness of it. Uh, we got a news update on the way. Also, Nimrod's in the news. It's a doozy. We'll get to that next. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is out today. Real quick, did you see this story? 30 tons of ammonium nitrate went missing from a from a train? Yes. Yeah, it's going from Wyoming to uh, California. Ammonium nitrate used for fertilizer and also explosives. Yes. That's what was used in the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, 30 tons of it. <laughs> it's on a train, and somewhere along the line, people go and check the train cars where it's supposed to be on. And it's not there. How does that happen? And they don't know where it is. I mean, how the hell does that happen? 30 tons of it. Just... I mean, I, I don't know what that means in terms of, of the amount. Was it more than one train carrying it? I, I No, it was one I mean, train. I mean, they, they said on April 12th, we're just now learning about this, but on April 12th, a rail car, one car loaded with 30 tons of the chemical left Cheyenne, Wyoming. However, according to an incident report, 
When the car arrived two weeks later at a rail stop in the Mojave Desert, it was completely empty. Wow. Holy smokes. How in the world does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, to yeah. get on national news and just say, well, this happens all the time. So like, is it gonna is it gonna show up on stage with some magician in Vegas? <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no idea. All right. Well, I, I feel like we already did it, but now it's time yeah, to memorize no in the news. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> when the going gets tough, damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dean. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley Van Camp and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. <laughs> What is the fun? And our friends in Portland have heard this story already. 43-year-old man who identifies himself as Captain Jack Sparrow was arrested after trying to bite a cop. No. He, he was on a train, and, well, the, the, I guess maybe he was with that uh, explosive material or something. Yeah, right. No, he's <laughs> harassing people on the train, and they tried to take him off, and Captain Jack Sparrow is how he identified himself and yeah, uh, there you go. tried to take a bite out of a cop. He's in the right? news. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show.